I think it's funny that we're still giving the disclaimer wherever wherever you get your podcasts. Because yeah. it, are, what's a podcast where you can't get it everywhere? Joe Rogan. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to Spinsters, a podcast where Joel Embiid finally has a real point guard. I'm John Gonzalez, and Haley O'Shaughnessy is here. I love that you introduced me because I was thinking back to how um, when we were on Heat Check, which is a podcast that Gons let me come on very graciously, um, even though I had literally no experience and probably should not have been on it. It was nice because you just would, to keep, I guess, the point guard theme, would just lob ball. You know, I would just get like the easiest. It was so much easier. And now that you have a podcast and you have to put together a sentence to tee up other people putting together sentences, it's just complicated. So thank you for coddling me once again. No, it required very little (laughs) effort on my part. You're a pro and I'm so excited, one, to be on this podcast because I love it, but two, to see your meteoric rise. I always knew that you would be a superstar. And now here's the proof. Oh my God, stop. Um, we are speaking of superstars, we were doing a one and one, a home and home. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on Gonza's excellent new podcast, Sports Illustrated Weekly, to talk net sixers. We're gonna do more of that today. Does that podcast come out Monday or Tuesday? It comes out Wednesday. So oh, Wednesday. as people are listening to your podcast, get prepared for Sports Illustrated Weekly, which drops every Wednesday. Got Please it. listen and subscribe. Yeah. Okay, so technically in recording sequences, this is mm-hmm. the part two, but because this is going to go first. We'll just call this the prequel because that's very much part one. So we're having like a Star Wars situation here. I love it. When your business is starting its championship run, nothing matters more than finding and hiring the best team. With Indeed, you have the power to build a dynasty by hiring more MVPs faster. Go to Indeed.com spinsters to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. So I guess, obviously, you're a Sixers fan. Um, And we'll just state the obvious that for those of you who are only on Facebook and see memes weeks late last week, the Sixers and Nets did a little trade. The Sixers got James Harden and Paul Millsap, um, who's just complete career crash is something in itself that I would love to talk about. Um, And the Nets received Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond and two first round picks. So Maury was really doing everything he could and he made it happen, which is great. There's a lot we want to get into here, but first let's talk about feelings. Okay. I love how are you feeling? I feel amazing. This is so great. It's very exciting. Um, being a Sixers fan, Haley, as you know, because you and I have worked together for a while, um, it's trying, right? It's one of those things where, uh, it's not for the faint of heart. There's always something crazy happening, like a player who like almost dies because he ate a peanut, you know, and and like guys who shots break and, you know, can't play and, you know, they draft people and they don't, they tend not to play in their first year for a variety of medical reasons. (laughs) So for this to happen with players of this magnitude, for it to work out at a time when, you know, it felt like it was stitched together pretty late. I'm amazed that it got done at all and thrilled that it did. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see this thing come to fruition. Do you feel like this is it after the last decade? What does it mean? Like this is the final iteration of this Sixers team's projection to success. 
Yeah, I guess. I mean, I think I think about it more as Joel Embiid has long, but like there. Let me put it this way: Not long ago, Joel Embiid uttered the sentence, "Ish Smith is the best point guard I've ever played with." <laughs> so we're so far removed from that, right? Like that's something that Joel Embiid said one time, and everybody was like, "Oh God, this they got to get him some help." And we all thought it was going to be Ben Simmons, and and as everybody who listens to your podcast is quite aware of, Ben Simmons regressed as a shooter. I mean, he, he became, not only did he not work on his game, but he became less uh, willing to shoot, not just, you know, on at the floor, but w- getting to the line. Like he, he was crippled in that uh, postseason series against the Atlanta Hawks last season when he was afraid to get fouled because he didn't want to go to the free, th- free throw line. So the whole point of this is that Ben Simmons wasn't that guy. And I believe James Harden will be that guy. Yeah, that's, That's pretty much what I was asking, which is, I think, remarkable in some ways. And then also for you guys to be able to hold that into your heart because you've had so many letdowns. Mm -hmm. Um, But then again, there is a very Nixian thing going on here where Sixers fans will just accept and wholeheartedly support whatever is coming their way. Um, Yeah. But with a little bit more of like a pessimistic vibe to it. Knicks fans will pretend quite a bit, whereas you guys will lean the other way and pretend that everything is um, the worst it's ever been. And then it's the best it's ever been. There's no casual Sixers fan is the way to say it. Like nobody, you'll never meet one who's not a diehard. No, it's all, it's all extremes. You're a hundred percent right about that. I mean, um, the guys who play for the Sixers invariably are the best unless they're not performing well and then they're the worst, but only we can say that. Like if you said it, people will get upset at you, but secretly we would know that you were right. We, it would, it, we would just prefer to be the one saying it ourselves. Yeah. Well, that's the lovely thing about sports, but it has been quite in a wild last decade for you all. Um, and so I wanted to play a game oh. where we go through, I'm just going to say a word or a phrase. And I just mm-hmm. want you to tell me what emotion it sparks from you. There are no wrong answers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. This is dangerous. Go ahead. Okay. Um, number one, Nerland's Noel. What emotions? Um, I, I guess a little sadness, because it didn't work out. I like Nerlens a lot. I think he's a good dude. And I, like, I, I was really bummed for him when he didn't take that contract in Dallas. Um, but I, you know, cause take the bag when you can get it. But, um, yeah, I would have liked it. I would have liked it to work out with Nerlens here. I say Do here, like f- I'm still in Philadelphia. I'm, I'm, I live, lived in Los Angeles for six years. Oh, but here is here. That's yeah. even when I'm not in Kentucky, Kentucky here is, here. is still home. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Nerlens is an interesting one because he had so much support and then reports kind of came out later that he was not always the best teammate to work with. He was kind of difficult for the team. Um, and then I hope in OKC he grew up a little bit. And then in in August, uh, Rich Paul said that there was no chance that there was going to be a Sixers reunion because they reached out about him. Yeah, that would have been great. I mean, he'd be a great backup for... Joel Embiid. And especially now when, as you mentioned, those backup minutes that previously were going to Andre Drummond are now going to Paul Millsap, who I had forgotten was still in the league. Yeah. Uh, I would much rather prefer Nerlens, but you know, what can you do? Yeah. Uh, so that was 2015. So that's about, um, a little earlier on in the, uh, decade of 
I'm trying to think of like what to call it. Decade of down, decade of process, decade of... I don't know. I'll come up with something by the end. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Our next buzzword is mm-hmm. going to be neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome. Is that what Markel Fultz had? Yes. Wow. Uh, <laughs> um, my feeling there is sure. I mean, like you just, <laughs> you just rattled off something and I was like, yeah, see, that's another thing that felt like... There's so there's been so many things that have felled the Sixers over this last however long since the process began. And for that to have happened was just one in a very long line of WTF moments where you're just like, I don't understand what's happening with this team. It's I have said this before. I'm quite certain I will say it again. The Sixers have not won a championship in a long time, but they are the perennial leaders in drama. You really can't. And it's like how dramatic each thing gets because almost every team at this point has had a player who wants out, right? Just yeah. to go back to our current situation. Um, but it's the lengths that it goes with the Sixers. And that unfortunately is true of injury too. So Markel Fultz was 2017 on this timeline. He was the first overall pick, which I always think made it, it makes it hurt more. It's painful. Um, yeah, absolutely. He played only, do you remember how many play, teams he or how many games he played with a team? I can give it to you. I've got the it right sixer, here. With the Just Sixers? Curious. Yeah. 20? 33. Oh, that's more than I would have guessed. He either had the strangest injury or the most publicly covered case of basketball yips in history. Maybe A and B together. I mean, I, I don't know, but somehow the Sixers drafted not one but two point guards first overall, and neither of them could shoot. Uh, not yeah. not only could they not shoot, they forgot how to shoot. Previously, they could shoot a little bit and then like completely fell off the shooting cliff, which if you did that one time, a fan base would be like, man, that's really awful luck. Two times, Haley. Two times I know they did you, that. The fact that Markel won't go down as the worst um, shooting situation in Sixers history is so bizarre because he was, I could never wrap my head around it. Like for two years straight, I just did not understand what was going on. And he's yeah. not even the weirdest thing to happen in the Sixers. Okay, um, next one, four bounces. Oh, that's just pain. That's a, and you know what? That's that's mean that you would make me relive this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, you know what? I, now that you and I are, are uh, no longer employed by our previous company, mm-hmm. I will say like they tasked me at the time with writing the oral history of Kawhi's <laughs> four bounce game seven winner, and in retrospect, that's some real Stockholm syndrome. Shit. <laughs> Like, how do, why am I getting that assignment? I should be the last person who should get that assignment. They should send me off for therapy afterwards. But yes, I was there in Toronto that night and I had, I was uh, up in the perch in the press box and I was uh, watching it with Surratt and like, we're, we're like, we had a vantage point where you could see perfectly what was happening. Right. And it, the ball was up there so long, it bounced for so long that I had enough time to turn to the person next to me and say, oh, we're going to overtime. And then it fell. And I was like, oh, I guess we're not. So like, that's how long the ball was bouncing. Oh my God. And if it was awful, it was awful. And if not for that shot, who knows? Maybe the Sixers win the series. Maybe they end up with a championship, but you know, fate intervened against them. 
It is probably one of the more interesting what ifs um, because a lot of them came around. Uh, another word I was going to have on here was just uh, rookie seasons. And that's just to like you made a reference to earlier. Embiid missed his first two seasons. Ben missed his first season. Yep. Um, so a lot of the other what ifs kind of played out fine. I mean, Embiid is could be the MVP. Fingers um, crossed. Fingers crossed. Ben Simmons, uh, his, it's not like his career was stunted by injury necessarily so it's not like so i'll just let that what if play out um okay here's another one mm-hmm. are there any good ones in here i think that's kind of the point um okay. no offense <laughs> it's just that you guys have been through so much um this one is funny um okay. callers callers oh callers I thought you were saying. Yeah, sorry, co- that's the Kentucky. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Collars. You, uh, collar. that, the that's a normal collar. Find a new slant. That's hilarious. And yeah, okay. So here's another like crazy thing that happens, right? Where the 76ers employed a general manager who either he or his wife or some combination of the two had a ton of burner accounts where they just like talk shit about their own players and ended up getting fired as a result of this. And I remember where I was when this happened, Haley. I was um I was in San Francisco or Oakland rather for whatever year that was for the NBA finals. Right. And I'm covering it for our former employer and we're at the finals and nobody was talking about the finals and everybody was like, Hey, did you hear what happened with Brian Colangelo's burner accounts? So sure. Uh, yeah. So that was Brian Colangelo who took over for Hinky 2016 to 2018. Um, Ben Dietrich wrote this expose for the ringer that was <laughs> fucking amazing. crazy it yeah. was amazing i mean it was so detailed and obviously that's because you can't put something out there if you're not super super sure about it i sure. mean i guess you can't be 100 percent sure about the specifics like his was it his wife was it him it was definitely him um and it i remember when i think it was like months before it might be weeks before and i'm just misremembering but months before uh chris ryan and i were talking about it and he was like we have this piece but it's just you know we have to like double and triple and check and everything and i remember when he told me about it i thought it was not there's no way that it was actually him because how could you be so stupid yeah how could Um, you how could you be so stupid is a great point and you know what like the NBA forced not one but two Colangelos on the 76ers <laughs> franchise because the Sixers had deigned to try to set themselves up for the future by creating the process with Sam Hankey. And the owners of the Sixers, uh, Josh Harris and David Blitzer, had like empowered Sam Hankey and had gone through like some losing, some rough losing seasons. And they they gather all these picks together. And then all of a sudden, like the league gets upset about what's happening and they force Hinky out and bring in this guy who somehow is supposed to be the savior and like put a professional face on the Sixers. And look what you got, Adam Silver. Thanks so much. Yeah, um, it was probably the most embarrassing. I mean, do I think it's more embarrassing than the Kevin Durant burner expose? Yes, because sure. you're not getting that pressure yourself, you know, um, of the team doing bad. Like you are, but not to the same degree a player would be. Um, I think the funnier things of it were that he or his wife 
and or his wife would, you know, defend his large collars, like the keyword I used. Um, yeah. That was actually so funny for so long that it became to be unfunny to me when people would reference it on Twitter. A little bit like The Hangover. You're like, wow, this was really funny. And now, is it that funny? Like, I've heard it so much, but it is actually so funny. Um, it will always be hilarious. It will always be hilarious. The He actually, like, blamed his wife for it, though, yeah. which... Have you ever heard the phrase, there are vow days and there are wow days? (laughs) That's a fucking vow day if I ever heard one. (laughs) He he clearly has not. I mean, now he's banished to Australia where he's, you know, owning a team there or whatever. But yeah, I mean, like in what world is he like, you know what? I got an idea. This has gone really south for me. I'm going to make it better by throwing my wife under the bus. I don't know about his marriage. That would not work in my marriage. I really hope that they talked about that. Um, But yeah, that's such a bad look. I mean, you're going to get fired either way. It's going to be humiliated either way. Um, Might as well save the marriage. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that leads me to my next one, which is a little bit obvious. It's Mm -hmm. the process. Uh, Happy. Full heart. Like it makes me feel, you know, our friend Mike Levin and Spike Eskin do the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast and they started, it's a great podcast and they have an awesome theme song. And in the beginning of the theme song, it's like, we were right. We were right. Y'all, even when it went wrong, we were right. That's how all Sixers fans feel about the process. Like people who are not Sixers fans or who are not Philadelphians go, the process didn't work. They haven't won anything, whatever. I would argue to you, the process is still working. I mean, I literally have written the process ended about 15 times, right? Because there were all these events. Jimmy Butler came. That was the end of the process. They traded Jimmy Butler. That was the end of the process and on and on and on. But this is all a continuation of everything that that Sam Hankey began. And I'm a, a huge Hankey fan. And I think that what he did was revolutionary and he got drummed out of town for it and he's still not back in the league and it's criminal because he's one of the smartest people I know. And the whole thing was, hey, we want to win a championship. We don't want to be in the mediocre middle anymore. What's the best way to do that? This is the best way. And from an academic perspective, it made sense then and it makes sense now. Yeah, he was a revolutionary. I, in group chats and things that I will not say here, like have definitely compared him to communist leaders. (laughs) Like good communists. Because oh, I'm like, you guys, yeah, leaders. the good commies, you know what I mean? Sure, sure. Um, not the bad ones, but uh, yes. Anyway, that's what I meant when I was saying, is this it? You know, because the process and was seen as one era and then it, it's actually a continuation of that era. And part of me wonders, is this when it's actually going to play out? I think as long as Joel Embiid is your team's leader, um, you can say that it's ongoing. I don't know why, what the yeah. obsession is with ending it, although I've said it a million times myself. I mean, look, Joel Embiid is the cornerstone of the process. He literally nicknamed himself the process. So as long as he's around, then there's always going to be like some ties to that era. And by the way, he might already be, I mean, like when he tweeted uh, the RIP Bozo meme <laughs> after Ben Simmons got traded and then he was asked about it and he goes, oh, I, I just thought that man was well-dressed. <laughs> the man is a treasure. He might be Haley. And this is just like really saying something because there's been some really very popular athletes in Philadelphia history. Allen Iverson was my favorite mm-hmm. one when I was coming up. He might already be the most popular athlete in Philadelphia history, which is like mind-blowing. If he wins you one, I think he will be. He might be even yeah. without it. Yeah. He might be. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely more tapped into that than me, but, uh, yes, he is the process and that's just, 
it is a testament, everything that is still happening today, even though it's been touched by more GMs and coaches and players and trades. It is a testament to Sam Hinkie, who was so rogue, like you're saying, that the league kicked him out. They forced yeah. him out. And other NBA owners were like, I want this guy out. And he was just losing on purpose. And they were still like, he needs to get out because he's ruining our lottery chances. Um, you watched Ted Lasso? Of course. The first time I saw Rebecca, I was like, that's Sam Hinkie. <laughs> Fucking tanking on purpose. <laughs> wow. Um, didn't expect that. <laughs> Hadn't thought of that before. Uh, that's what makes you you. And I'm sure that Sam and the actor who plays uh, her w- would be equally flattered by it. You, hey, you can only hope. When your business is starting its championship run, nothing matters more than finding and hiring the best team. With Indeed, you have the power to build a dynasty by hiring more MVPs faster. Start hiring right now with the $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job posts at Indeed.com spinsters. Offer valid through March 31st. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Go to Indeed.com slash spinsters to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. Indeed.com slash spinsters. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, Jordan here. And if you don't know by now, cooking is not my strong suit. So I'm super excited. We are partnering with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit service. So I don't have to worry about cooking during the week. HelloFresh cuts back on time spent in the kitchen so you can spend it on your other New Year's resolutions with meals ready in around 30 minutes or less. Plus, their quick and easy meals have low prep, which means an even faster route to putting food on the table. Go to HelloFresh.com spin16 and use code spin16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. I know what you're thinking. Jordan, why don't you just go eat out? Well, HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. And I'm all about saving money. My fiance and I cannot wait to receive our HelloFresh box this week, especially because we won't have to fight over who does the dishes because it's such an easy cleanup. Go to HelloFresh.com spin16 and use code spin16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. I have, I think, two more. Okay. Uh, One is going to hurt. Sure. And it's not this one. This one's, I'm curious about your reaction to this one. Um, Sesame. Oh, that's what I was talking about earlier. Um, God, what was his name? Zaire Smith. Yeah, Zaire Smith. Yeah. So I was in Philly to report this, a different story about the Sixers. And I got a tip about this that Zaire Smith had like consumed some sesame products when he wasn't supposed to and had lost north of 20 pounds where he's like a really skinny kid. And that doesn't sound great, right? Like my feeling on that is like, what? 
what, like what like confusion what do you mean you fed him sesame off the line like did nobody check on this like and it's a shame because there was high hopes for Zaire Smith they had traded um Mikhail Bridges to get Zaire Smith Bridges had gone to Villanova his mom worked for the organization he's he would be a perfect fit on that team then and now mm-hmm. and like they were like no 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 it's going to be Zaire Smith and like you know he's taken out by like a rogue sesame allergy I remember when uh, that draft night was so sad. I just realized that because a lot of the time we find out on TV and at home and on our phones that players have been traded or are going to be traded before they do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we know before we know about a like a media draft night trade. So, yes, he's walking up and he's going to have a Sixers hat on and he thinks he's being drafted by the Sixers. We all know he's not. I would imagine that's very upsetting. Um, But did they know that there was sesame in it and that he was allergic? I can't remember the specifics. I just remember it seeming pretty reckless. From what I understand or from what I remember, I'd have to, I mean, I'd have to go back and check my reporting on it. But from what I remember was he ate something off the lawn, like, you know, because you're at the team facility, the practice facility, and there's a whole bunch of different foods that you can grab. And they had food that was always specially prepared for him. Uh, but I think he grabbed oh. something that wasn't specially prepared for him. And therein lies the rub. He has a terrible reaction. He never really plays for the Sixers. And, you know, that's that's yet another yet another story where you're like, like that story is like number 14 on the craziest <laughs> things that have happened to the Sixers in the last 10 years. Um, which leads me to my final trip down history lane, probably the earliest of all of the, actually definitely the earliest of all of these. Um, my word is bowling. Oh, Andrew Bynum, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, probably a top five, what the hell happened moment. Uh, but m- my feeling on that is once again, sure, because like nothing in retrospect surprises me about what's going on with the Sixers. So Andrew Bynum, they... Prior to Sam Hickey coming along, the new ownership comes in, and Andrew Bynum at the time was a really good basketball player. Oh, they, yeah. acqui- they acquire Andrew Bynum, and everybody expects that he's going to be just like a world beater for the Sixers, leaves the Lakers, and never plays for the Sixers, ends up getting hurt. And everybody thought, well, he's going to be okay. Uh, and then, then all of a sudden, there's like stories about him hurting himself bowling, you know, and then like he's in Spain dancing. Do you remember those videos? Yeah, it was tough. I mean, it was really tough the whole time. I think I never think it changed from knee. It was just variations of his knee injury, but I could be wrong. And the what I remember is that it all turned out to have started from him bowling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He heard he heard himself bowling uh, because, of course, he did. Right. Like, of of course, he heard himself bowling. Of course, they trade Mikhail Bridges for a guy who has a sesame allergy and then is like loses a bunch of weight. Of course, they draft not one but two point guards who forget how to shoot. Right. Like, of course, Nerlens Noel doesn't play in his first season. Of course, of course, of course. Like, yeah, exactly. But now here we are to a new uh, Sixers team, a new adventure. And it is like a major, major, major shift. Um, and I'm glad it's a major shift because. After the Ben confusion, I guess I'll just call it to be nice. Um, This team really had to do something revolutionary for it to be a step up and to kind of not a step up from what he had been giving you, but a step up from what the expectations of Ben Simmons were. Um, 
so I guess that leads me to like what right now what they're fifth Sixers are fifth in the standings um something like that the whole Eastern tight. Conference is super tight yeah but they're they look good like I mean they look great and beads looks great um you no longer have Seth who if you listen to um the pod we did for SI Weekly, you yes. will realize I'm extremely high on. But when you consider that you're probably slotting in Harden um, to fill in for him, then you're in great hands. So how do you feel about the prospects for this immediate year? Or do you feel like you need to wait until Harden gets on the court? Because he's not playing until all stars over. Yeah. Correct? They, yes. The Sixers announced that he would not be playing. Uh, he's going to rest his hamstring through the all-star break. He's not going to play in the all-star game, which is fine. Um, typically trades of this magnitude don't yield championships right away. Like in season trades, it usually takes a little time. Toronto. Typically, right. Toronto's a <laughs> typical, uh, Toronto's an exception to that rule. There's exceptions to every rule. I'm hopeful that this mm-hmm. will be yet another exception to the rule. I think that it's going to work out. Well, I'm in my optimistic Philadelphia fan component right now. Uh, because as you outlined, like Ben Simmons wasn't playing for them. They weren't getting anything from Ben Simmons. Right. So in terms of like this season's team, they gave up Seth Curry, your guy who you are extremely high on and please listen to sports illustrated (laughs) weekly to hear, uh, her testimonial and Andre Drummond and in exchange, you're getting James Harden. So Mm -hmm. on paper, that would be like a really good, valuable on-court trade for them, right? He should be value-added for the Sixers. So I'm excited to see how that works out. I actually, like, I do think that the Nets, uh, I would rather be the Nets right now, I guess, on on the end of this trade. But I do think it's appropriate all that they gave up because it is significant to give up Seth Curry, two first-round draft picks, you know, and Andre Drummond, you always have solid rebounding. I guess you can say that no matter what. And Ben Simmons, who at this point was just dead weight with a lot of resentment attached. But, you know, to someone else is someone with a great deal of potential. Um, but I do think it's appropriate at this time for Daryl Morey because you have to show and bead. And this is like kind of the cliche that we always go into. You have to show your star that you are going to set him up to win. And yeah. nobody's not going to set you up if it's not Daryl Morey. Yeah. I mean, look, Daryl, I had said all along that Daryl Morey, I believe in Daryl Morey as much as I believe in Sam Hickey. Daryl Morey has been one of the best general managers in the NBA since 2006. I was getting a little nervous, Haley. I was one of those people where like every trade that came along, like before Malcolm Brogdon had signed his extension, he was still available. And it was like him and Karis LeVert and like a pick. I was like, sure. Uh, when it was either Halliburton or De'Aaron Fox, I was like, sure. Atlanta came in and they were talking about John Collins. I would have done that. Like, but so all these trades are out there in the ether and I would have pulled the trigger on all of them. And Daryl Morey, bless his heart, is so much smarter than me because he kept saying over and over again, we're not going to rush it. We need to return a superstar, not just Mm -hmm. a star when we trade Ben Simmons because he's a big trade ship. And I was getting nervous and he was very much right. And I was very much wrong. And I could not be happier about that. Yeah, which is great. And I do think uh, it's interesting, the recalibration, or maybe this is just some degree posturing, but the recalibration of what he wanted in return. Um, but, you know, that's James Harden. Like, I, you can give up picks and not get them back and it'd still be an appropriate trade. I do, though, like, I am 
more excited for the Nets. I think if only because I want them to be good and I already have seen the Sixers have success this season. Um, But with the Nets, I mean, it's just there's so many weird things about this. They've only played, they teamed up. When has this ever happened that a super team teamed up, picked a spot, was like, great, we're going to go here. And only plays 16 games together over two years because of multiple reasons. Um, One being horrific injury and then a subtler injury that still seems quite serious, actually. Another one being that they picked New York. A global pandemic was happening. Yeah. Was it happening when they picked it? Yeah. No. Mm. No, that was the summer before. Had they known, maybe they would have went to a more conservative place. (laughs) Yeah, time stopped having any meeting. Like, I don't remember where I was or uh, what I was doing. Yeah, it's hard. 2019 to 2021 are pretty all together. But I mean, I was saying this on Twitter and people were upset. And I'm not saying that it's wrong, not wrong, that Kyrie is not getting the vaccine. I would love for him to get it just for his personal safety and the safety of people around him. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we have to factor in players' personalities to what I'm saying. And what I'm saying is it is wild that if they had said, hey, let's go do this in uh, what's a team that would have had space? Let's make this happen in Minnesota and make them get rid of everything then they would have been allowed to do this. No problem. Kyrie could have played at home. He just couldn't have played in a couple games in New York. But he's in the Western Conference now, so it doesn't matter. Just a pair of games. I mean, isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, fate intervenes in in strange ways. Uh, to your point about a super team that that never really got off the ground, they play 16 games together. They're 13-3 and three when they play together. And, uh, like, they just decided, now nah, let's detonate it. I mean, or... James Harden decided, no, I've had enough. That's what's shocking to me. I mean, how much is so much that you're saying, hey, maybe actually, like, I just don't think it's going to happen for us. Because I said this when we were on your pod, they were the title favorites up until the trade, which is the title favorites. They're the eighth seed in the East. Yeah, they still have to get into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, So I, I think the expectations for them were reasonable. But he must have really seen, like, maybe Katie's injury is worse than we think. Maybe Kyrie. I I would get frustrated with that, of course. Um, But I also, I just want to know what's going on. I want to skip ahead to the documentary. Oh, I can't wait. This is is delightful. Delightful and delicious. And, like, you know, we are uh, consumers of the NBA, but we also create content. And this is tremendous content. This is tremendous content. So I want for the, for the very end of this, I want you to take your brain and just reverse it back to when you liked and supported Ben Simmons. Okay. And saw the good in him. Sure. And, uh, let's assume that any of the refusal to participate, um, is gone. Mm -hmm. How do you think he's going to fit here? With Seth, and let's assume that, I mean, it's tough because sometimes Kyrie won't play, sometimes he will play. I guess just in their in their uh, various situations, how do you think he could fit? Yeah, I mean, in theory, he's somebody who would pair really well with Kyrie and KD, right? Because he's really good at a lot of things 
on the basketball court. I mean, he's awesome in the open floor. He's a fantastic passer. He's a great rebounder. He's like an extraordinary defender. He's he can defend anybody one through five. You know, he's matchup and switch proof. All of those things are to the good. The question is, how are they going to deploy him? And will he want to be deployed that way, right? Because we've seen in the past, he got like a little antsy in the playoffs when they had to take the ball out of his hands Mm -hmm. because he didn't want to shoot and he didn't want to go to the free throw line. And like you mentioned, you brought up the the Toronto series where they lose to Kawhi in the seven or the four bouncer. They had to make Jimmy Butler the effective point guard in that series. And they basically put Ben along the baseline in the dunker spot. And he hated that. He said, I'm better than that. You know, I'm I'm not going to be that guy. I'm a star in this league. So if he wants to be star in this league, Ben Simmons, instead of just like some version of like the Nets Draymond Green, then I think it's not going to be a great fit. But if he plays the Draymond Green role, he could be really good. Well, it's interesting you say that because I made this comparison to you earlier. I think this is a great opportunity for him to pull a Wiggins reset. Um, for his own expectations, I would say he's probably dramatically been humbled through this entire thing. Um, I don't think it's been fair on either side for either party. I don't think it's entirely been fair, but I will say that there's really nothing like years of just getting shit on to make somebody say, maybe I should try something different or just do something that'll make me, um, be liked by a fan base for once. I definitely think that Wiggins's was also a matter of like, that's a good environment. Everyone knows that everyone knows that you'd want to be on the Warriors. It's just a good team environment. People get along, um, generally if, except for the Katie year. Um, but I also have heard like Katie's a great teammate. So I hope that this situation, regardless of what situation it is, he could be thrown in the middle of the ocean, castaway style only has a volleyball. It's got a knock at his teeth. And he would still be in a better situation. I'm just saying you don't need to be somewhere where everyone hates you. And you also, as, as fans, you know, you want to know that you have forward movement. So I get it from both sides, but I, I really hope that the Wiggins glow down happens for him. Um, because Wiggins is a, an all-star now. Yes, he is. I'm winking. Um, on a podcast. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm hopeful. Look, you know, I don't harbor any resentment against Ben Simmons. And I want to note by the way, cause like, yes, it was an incredibly acrimonious divorce. There's no doubt about that. But before Ben Simmons took his ball and went home, Philadelphia fans were hyper supportive of Ben Simmons. Now there was a debate about how good he actually was, but it's not like he was getting booed in games or anything. People were still supporting him. I would say by Philadelphia standards, they were on their best behavior, like because it could have gone south way sooner than this. It wasn't until he said, I'm not playing for you anymore that people went, all right, buddy, like, let's like really take a look in the mirror about who you are and who we are. And speaking about Philadelphia fan, well, I think that's like that opens a bigger conversation about player autonomy and like, is it fair, the situation we put them in and everything. But what's more interesting to me is what you brought up last time. When did you say that they're playing each other again? March? March 10th. 10th and you where are you at on if they he will play oh man I really want it to happen I seriously doubt it will it's in Philly it's in Philly uh Nets at (laughs) Sixers Wells Fargo Center if it happens like call out the National Guard 
you know, grease all the light poles, do all the preventative measures, you know, get the dumpsters gonna, away from the right, streets. Get rid of the dumpsters. <laughs> you'd, you'd really have to probably chain 20,000 maniacs to their seats just to make sure that everything's safe for everybody. Oh but yeah. I did, some shit will get thrown. I just sure. don't, I just don't think he's going to subject himself to that. I don't think he's ready for that yet. Uh, because it would be an incredibly intense atmosphere. And, and uh, our former colleague, Dan Devine, had mentioned, you know, when LeBron went back to Cleveland for the first time as a member of the Miami Heat and the vitriol that was uh, thrown his way, times 10, 20, and some bigger exponent than that, because Cleveland is Cleveland and, you know, like all credit to Cleveland. Nobody can hate like Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> We're experts <Yeah>. at this. <laughs> Um, yeah. And you, you made me think about like the tribute video or lack of, I don't know, because people make <laughs> tribute videos for like any former player, which I like, I think it's nice, um, to be remembered for your time there, even if you weren't a major factor, but I don't, if you're a major negative factor, I don't know. Um, I don't think I would do it if I don't have KD by my side. Yeah. If you don't have the makeup to win the game. I'm not doing it. I'm not going you, in there. You need KD. You need Kyrie. And then you need to make sure that you're cool with this, right? Because look, and whatever was going on or is going on with him mentally when he said he wasn't mentally prepared to play for the Sixers, I always took that to mean I am not mentally prepared or willing to play in Philadelphia again because mm-hmm. I've had enough of the situation. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go back, you're going to be playing in Philadelphia and you know what's going to happen. We all know what's going to happen. The next time he plays it – it could he could sit out every game Haley against the Sixers in Philadelphia for the next ten years. He could play right. Te- that'd be 10, so. That'd be so amazing. <laughs> Twelve years and like one day in the very distant future, finally play a game at the end of his career in Philadelphia for the first time ever, and people would then boo the living hell out of him because yeah. we have long memories, and this will happen if he ever does it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, it's just impossible to dissect what's going on in somebody's mind. And I hope that his inability to play in Philadelphia is just a part of a larger thing and not just purely the fans. Um, but we'll see. I would love for it to happen unless it's really bad for him. And then I guess I would hate for it to happen. It would be right. I don't, I want him to be able to accept this thing that will happen and be okay with it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Right. But for us, just dispassionately, it would be so very entertaining to see this game. It'd be really fun. Yeah. Like, who wouldn't watch that game? The first time Ben Simmons comes back as a member of the Nets, like, the ratings would be outrageous. That's also such a test of where you think you're at as a fan, you know, because you, everybody will be watching. Like you said, you could very easily get kicked out and banned forever. Oh, yeah. The band forever numbers are going to be through the roof in that game. Uh, are you going to go? I don't think I'll go. Although, I mean, it feels like it could be a great Sports Illustrated weekly piece. If I, I say, pa- yeah. If I parachute into Philadelphia, that's always one of my favorite. You know, I, I was basically the uh, Philadelphia senior Philadelphia bureau correspondent. Uh, for our former employer. So maybe I will be for Sports Illustrated. It, it could happen. Maybe. You, uh, if you come with me, I'll go. <laughs> oh my God, of course. <laughs> we'll, we'll go rock out in Philly. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I miss talking to you every Monday morning. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, do you want to say anything else about your podcast? Why don't you 
more plug your podcast and its conception and idea in a larger way. Sure. Uh, Sports Illustrated Weekly, available wherever you get your podcasts. It is a weekly, every Wednesday, uh, narrative-style podcast. If you're familiar with HBO Real Sports, it's just like that, but a podcast where we're going to give you several reported stories every week. Uh, This week, on this Wednesday, we have the story of uh, how a trip to Cabo made the Rams and Matt Stafford Super Bowl champions. I mean, this had been like kind of in the ether. It had been a part of legend for the last year, but nobody had ever really reported it out fully. We've done that. We're going to have the behind the scenes story of that trip and how it changed the fortunes for everybody. Ben Schwartz uh, of Parks and Rec, uh, now of The After Party, of Sonic 1 and 2, actor and comedian. He's a big Knicks fan. So he comes on to discuss Chris Herring's new excellent book about the Knicks Blood in the Garden, which I recommend everybody go out and and purchase. Even if you're not a Knicks fan, it's a lot of 90s NBA nostalgia in there. And then finally, we have a heat check reunion with one Haley O'Shaughnessy and Dan Devine. She's doing finger guns and Isaac Lee to discuss this very topic here. uh, The trade that rocked the NBA, James Harden and Ben Simmons. So stuff like that every week, uh, a little something for everybody. Some stories are are heavier than others. Some are super fun, like, you know, just talking with my friends. So uh, we're really proud of it. And uh, so far, so good. It's really wonderful. Everybody should should subscribe. Thanks, Gons. I miss you. I miss you, too. This was so wonderful. Two recordings in one day. We have to do this more often. I'm going to stop recording, but don't leave because I want to talk shit for a little bit. Okay. Bye, everybody. Spencers is hosted by me, Jordan Liggins, and Haley O'Shaughnessy. This episode was produced by Isabel Joycelyn, Harry Krinsky, Alex Ward, Ashley Zhao, and me. Our production coordinator is Devin Shepard, and our executive producers are Peter Moses, John Yells, and Haley. Hey, this is Cade from North Carolina. And I'm just calling, first of all, Jordan, Haley, and Harry, you guys are awesome. Thank you for the show. And I just wanted to call to tell Sacramento Kings fans that I am sorry about the Halliburton trade, but if they're looking for a new team, I would like to pitch for them to join the Charlotte Hornets fandom. First of all, you guys already look great in purple, so why not add some teal to that? We have an exciting young guard in LaMelo, who's basically like everything you love about uh, Fox, but even better, um, even though we've been really bad for a long time, something you can relate to as a Sacramento Kings fan, we're going in the right direction. Uh, and I really believe, you know, small market to small market. If you guys are feeling desperate, need a new team, the Charlotte Hornets would love to have you. All right. Thanks. You guys are awesome. Bye.